John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You're in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message. What a joy it is to come to you again today with the word of God. This is Pastor Fred Daly. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come before you with thanksgiving. Thank you for your loving kindness that causes us to reflect on your word. Your word is truly a mirror. Your word is light. Your word is fire. Your word guides us. May the words I speak today bring correction, healing, direction, progress and prosperity to all my listening friends. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last week we started a study on the Christian and inventory and I shared the good practice we had when we were students going to take stock for some people to see what they have in store to sell and if they didn't have enough they would order it so they are always in business. Our lives are to be like that. We must examine our lives. Our operating text was from 1st Corinthians chapter 11 verse 28 where the apostle tells us particularly when it comes to the Lord's Supper, that let a person examine themselves and let them eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Examine yourself. So we are talking about inventory and the Christian. How we as Christians must take an inventory of our lives. You know, it is said that the old philosopher said, an unexamined life is not worth living. Examine your life because you are a human being. What makes us different from animals is the ability to think, to feel, to make decisions and to adapt. You may see old, old, old pictures of some animals that they said existed. You do not see them again because they were not able to adapt to any situation and therefore they perished. So last week we started by looking at examining how you live, your living, the kind of, the quality of life that you live. And recommended that as a believer, that if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then let it be a sincere living. Don't be a hypocrite. Practice what you preach. Live right before God and man. Because the Bible clearly says, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. So, be sincere. Let people know you for who and what you are. Let that be your cardinal point in this life. Then let it be a sacred life. Just cleanse yourself. Don't merely pray for holiness. If you do something and you know it is wrong, God's word convicts you. Somebody say you have offended them. Or you know it yourself. What do you do? You want God to accept you. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 tells us clearly, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So it means your spirit can be polluted. By the kind of things you hear, things you see, 
the meditations, the things you, you reflect on, how they affect you, the arrows that the enemy sends you, and you begin to impact them, the filthiness of the flesh, what your eye sees, what you hear, what you repeat, what you see in the media, what you hear. So those things can pollute you. But it says cleanse yourself. Don't merely pray for it. Practice it. Let it be a sacred living, a life that is pleasing to God. But the third one, let it be a scriptural living. Our love for God is measured by how much we obey Him. You cannot say, I love God and you don't obey Him. Jesus said it clearly, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. You cannot say you trust a doctor and you go and see the doctor in the hospital that I'm sick and he gives you a prescription and you don't take it. How do you expect to get well? Well, of course, God can heal you. But if God wants to heal you and he says obey my instruction, he won't. How do you expect to be healed? You cannot be told, go and see a dietitian. And the dietitian says, do this, do this, do this, or eat this, don't do this. And you don't follow it. How do you expect to get your health back? So, let scripture living be knowing God and following God. Remember, love always obeys. Particularly when you are dealing with God. When you say he's your Lord and your Savior and you are dealing with him, obey him. Let it be scriptural living. Is it in the Bible? Does God command it? Does God love it? Does it make God happy? Let anybody say what they want to say. We are told what God loves to evangelize, to preach and teach others, to live according to his will, to give our tithe and offering, to be kind to the poor, the needy, the widows and the orphans. These are the things God loves. So it's scriptural living according to the book. Then of course, it must also be a spiritual living. There should be a hunger and thirst for God. Only God will satisfy you. Don't crave after the world. The Bible clearly says it. The world and everything that is in it is passing away. Only, only God's word abides forever. That is why David can say in Psalm 27 verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Yes, to inquire in his temple. It's critical for him to love God and to follow God's precepts. And that is what he desires. So is that the desire of your life? Examine how you are living, what you desire. Another thing God wants us to know is the kind of things you love. You see, this big word, love, is used for many things in this world. People love ice cream, they love their girlfriends, they love their car, they love their old school, they love their t-shirt. But in the Bible, it is clear we must be focused on what we love. Yes, we are different from animals, or we are a special type of animals made in the image of God with his spirit in us. So his spirit directs us. The things we must love are many, but let me just mention four for now. You see, examine how you love Christ. Secondly, how you love the church. 
Thirdly, how you love Christians. And four, how you love to show compassion to others who are in this world. Let's take first your love for Christ. Loving God will help us love others. It will help us put Him first in our lives. Do you love God, the one who made you? Are you thankful to Him that He made you? In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In verse 39, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then he added something in Matthew 6.33, or he said it earlier. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So for the Christian, what you should love above all things is God in Christ. What Christ loves, you love. What Christ doesn't love, you don't love. So, Christ loves people wherever they are. North, south, east, west, black, white, short, tall, poor, rich. He loves them because we all belong to the same family. So, loving God with all that is within us and loving the children he has made, loving God's creation, loving what God loves is important. Examine your love. Is it according to God's specification? But then there's a second one. You love the church. It is amazing that there are people who say they love God, but they don't go to church. They don't like church because they don't like the people in the church. I've said it over and over again because that is what I have learned about church. Church is not for perfect people. Church is not for those who do not sin. Church is for people who know that they are on a journey, they are sick, they need a deliverer, they need a healer. Church is like a spiritual hospital. Those who are sick go to their great physician and is able to heal them. So you love church because that is the house of God. That is where we fellowship with one another. Psalm 122 verse 1, the psalmist is saying, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It is the house of the Lord. In the house of God, there's joy. In the house of God, there are many things. There are many vessels. Vessels made of gold. Vessels made of silver. Vessels made of wood. People who are noble. People who are old in the faith. People who are new in the faith. They are all in the family of God. And that mysterious body, he calls the church. So he said, look, let us love the church because Christ died for it. In Hebrews 10, 25, say, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. God's word to us is love is said. Do not forsake assembling ourselves together. But when you meet, exhort one another, encourage one another. When someone is up, you lift them up. When you are down, you tell others, they help you. Or they can even read your mood. We take care of each other. Because the body of Christ is one body. When one person head, 
we all heard. So love the institution called the church. Work for its progress. See to its establishment. And if you are contributing to the building of the church, through your money, your sacrifices, when it gives the opportunity to use your gifts and your talents, when it offers you the opportunity to bear the fruit of the Spirit and also use the gifts of the Spirit, what a joy it is that the church will truly be the people of God, the called out ones who are showing their love for God. Yes, you may be a citizen of a country, and that country gives you identity. But when you belong to a church, it makes you a citizen of two worlds. You are a citizen of this earth, you are also a citizen of heaven. Do you love the church? Do you seek its welfare? Or you just seek to pull it down? But if the church is a building, there's something else that God expects of you. To love Christians. To love people who are in the body. Love them. Remember, we are talking now about examining your love. And love, one of the most profound definitions we find of love, or one of the profound descriptions we find of love, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. It says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Student of the Bible, read it. Now, this is love. I said earlier, there are people who said they love, and you know it. They love ice cream. They love football. They love this. And now, what is the big thing? When your team loses, you don't love the team again. No. When your wife does something wrong, you don't love her again. When your dad does something, you don't love him again. No. But remember what he says. Examining what your love is based on. He says, love suffers long. That's you are enduring. You are tolerant. Love is kind. Yes, you are willing to forgive people. You are willing to share what you have with others. Love does not envy. You are not jealous. You are not pulling him down. Love does not boast, bragging. Love does not keep an account of wrong. So, these are the standards God has set for us. So, when we are taking an inventory, find out for yourself, how are you faring in God's kingdom? How are you faring according to the standard of God? You know, when you want to take an exam, it's, it is important that you know what topics to study and what the exam will be based on. And the book or the outline that guide us is called the syllabus. We have seen the syllabus here. The examination questions on the day of judgment. And he's saying, examine yourself. Yes, have I studied this? Have I studied this? So if it is, you have to read nine books, and you see that you have read only three, and you have three more months for the exam, what do you do? You read. If there's a subject area, you know it always comes, but you have no idea about it. What do you do? You study it, you help others to coach you. If you know you have a weakness in an area, what do you do? You help, you get to people who can help you. So examining yourself is not to condemn you. Examining yourself is to make sure you pass and you pass very well. If you take a mock exam and you get 
batsman or 40 or 50 and you know you want to be a first class scholar and these are the things you miss, what do you do? You study more and you find teachers. You see, we find people, there's something called what? Extra classes. People go to extra classes so that they will learn to pass well because they have a goal in mind. Let me ask you, as a Christian, even the basic minimum, you don't do it. You don't go to church well, you don't go to Sunday school, you don't go to shipful, you do nothing. You spend more time on social media and all of this. If you did those things and did not study your books, you can be sure you fail your exams. As we used to say, you will get FFFF or free flight from France. You will fail. But God's word is saying, examine your life very well. So, are you a Christian? You love Christian. Real love is kind. Real love forgets the mistakes of others. We need to fellowship with Christ and other Christians. So 1 John 1, 7 tells us quite clearly. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. This is another important mark of the Christian. My brother, my sister, let that guide you. Let that direct you. The world is evil. We do not understand many things. But one thing we understand for sure. Love the brethren. Love is kind. If you lack any of these things, ask God and he will abundantly supply it for you. The last of examining the love is love the goodness of God, trust in the goodness of God, trust in the love and the mercy of God. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah is one of those prophets that, he, 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 I mean, he, he, it's difficult to understand how much this man loved God because he had connected with the heart of God. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more of his name. But his word was in my heart, like a burning fire, shut in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. I could not hold it back. Here's a prophet who was sent to declare the word of God. And the word of God was simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me see. Jeremiah did not preach that. That was Christ himself. But Christ asked, anyone who believes in him is saved. Anyone who does not believe in him is condemned. So what did Jeremiah say here? The people were not listening to him. They were laughing at him. They were mocking him. David put him in a pit. But he still had compassion for them. Despite suffering, Jeremiah could not keep quiet. He kept telling others about the love and about the goodness of God. You see, it's like a parent who is telling their child, a naughty child, please, don't run across the street. If you want to cross the street, look left, look right, look left again. Otherwise, you'll be hit by a car. And this child likes doing those things. He said, don't, don't. Because the child knows very well 
that when you are hit by a vehicle, you may die, you may be injured, you may be maimed, whatever happens to you, it is the parent's heartache as well as your own pain. So he keeps warning you. That is what compassion does. You know what God likes, you know what God doesn't like. So when people are sinning against God, instead of hating Him, have a holy love for them. Love the sinner, but hate their sin. If it's LGBTQ and homosexuality, love the person and say, look, you are headed the wrong direction, but I'm praying that the Lord will heal you. If it's fornication, or adultery, or stealing, or lying, you condemn all of these sins, these acts, but you know the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. So you balance that compassion with your judgment. There are many of us as Christians, all we like and all we do is to condemn people. You will die, you will do this, God will send you to hell, you are not paying your this, you are not giving your this, you are not doing this, and therefore, and therefore, and therefore. They've forgotten something. In the book of Lamentation 3.23, the Lord shows compassion. His mercies are renewed every morning. Great is the faithfulness of God. So one of the things that should characterize us is, are you compassionate? Here we're talking about what the love of God is. It is that compassion that caused Christ on the cross to pray and say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Even people were killing him, who were nailing him, who were spitting on him. You don't know what they are doing. Oh, Lord have mercy. Friends, you have a lot to pray about. Yes, I do. I do. That's why I will sing towards the end. Search me, O God, and see if there are any wicked ways in me. Cleanse me. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Let me press on to higher ground. Higher ground. Higher ground. Higher ground in you. When you examine yourself, and you see that you have fallen behind, you ask God to lift me up. Lord, lift me to a higher ground. The last one we will take for today in taking an inventory of your life, seeing whether you're in the book, seeing whether you win the gold when the Lord comes, or the silver, or the precious one, or you say, I don't know. It's what are you learning? You see, we are students. The Lord clearly said, we are to learn. We went to a church some time ago and we were looking at some of the things that they believe in. And I loved what he said. The way they wrote there. Say, God loves you the way you are. Christ loves you the way you are. But he does not leave you that way. Then he put it another way. The good news is that God loves you the way you are. But the great news is that he does not leave you that way. So good news, he loves you the way you are. But the great news is that he does not leave you that way. Good news is that God loves you the way you are. So somebody has discovered you. And you are playing gutter to gutter in your school, in the market, in your village. So, oh, you have a lot of talent. Come and let me take you. So they take you to an academy. They take you here. And later on, you are on the world stage. Oh, why did they take you? It's not just because they love you, but because they've seen a talent in you, and they know they can improve upon you. So they spend money on you, time on you, and because you have cooperated, that keeps in you, continues to shine and shine and shine and shine. 
Some believers, as soon as the Lord saved them, they are happy. They belong to a church. They've been baptized. Their names are in the book. Sometimes they may even become a shepherd or an officer or belong to a committee, belong to a men's group, and therefore they are stuck there. Their old lifestyle continues. They are still playing gutter to gutter, lying, cheating, and doing all the kind of things that are wrong. What will happen? You will not progress. So you may be in the academy and the time comes to select people to play at the national level. You may even not be selected. If you are selected, they will put you on the bench. Or if you go to international matches, they will put you on the bench because you have not developed your talent. But if you are doing what God calls you to do, look, you will shine and shine and shine and become a superstar. So it is not where they took you from, from the gutter to gutter to gutter, but how you responded to the training, to the discipline, to the correction, what extra effort you made, that is what the Lord will bless. Because he has given you everything that pertains to godliness. So can you read this word to examine your learning? Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Come unto me, all ye who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Hallelujah. Take your yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will rest, and you will find rest for your soul. Do you have rest for your soul? Are you learning from Jesus? There are some who are learning things, but they are not learning from Jesus. They are learning from their pastors. They are learning from the prophet. They are learning from the internet. They are looking at videos of pastors doing the wrong things. Bishops doing the wrong things. Popes doing the wrong things. People doing the wrong things. If you are a child of God, who are you to learn from? You are to learn from Jesus. So, he said it very clearly. Learn from me. In fact, John 4, 24, he said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He is your standard. So you are learning from him. Amazingly, some follow him, but they don't. They don't learn from him. If you are learning from him, something else will describe you. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, describes even how you work. Ecclesiastes 9, 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Hallelujah. What is he saying here? When God has granted you a job or opportunity to serve, whether it is in the church, in the market, in government, in law, in politics, in carpentry, in plumbing, in being a fitter, an engineer, whatever your hand finds you to do. Look at what he said. Do it with all your might. Whatever your hand finds you to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. So it's simple. A good Christian will work hard. You work hard as for God. He said in Colossians, servants or people, my people, work not as men pleases, but as pleasing the Lord. It is, it is a great thing to be a Christian. 
Is that the life you are leading? And I'll give you the last scripture for the day. So I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Life is war. Life is a battle. And your mind is taking left and right, going left and right. But you determine by your will, you have decided to follow Jesus. He is the only one I will follow. So body, soul and spirit focus on him. This should be your resolution. This is your inventory. Are you pressing on to higher ground? Lord, lead me on to higher ground. I am yours. Friends, we can help you to go deeper. If you are not a member of a church, join our church or join any Bible-believing church. If you have not given your life to Christ yet, I'll tell you that is the beginning point. The Lord loves you the way you are. That's a good news. But the great news is that He will never leave you that way. There's a better, higher God for you. Follow Him by taking an inventory of your life and acting on it. Stay blessed. Stay courageous. Stay fruitful and productive. In Jesus' name, Amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Degbe. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyle Filling Station. Our Amasamai campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamai Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via calvarybaptistghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.